opposes God. More than ever before, our world opposes God. And under God is in, in, in the pledge that we have, and we pledge, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America under God, you know all that. And that's under attack. Everything's under attack. The Ten Commandments, we've seen the Ten Commandments come, come off uh, certain court buildings and different things. The flag uh, is, there's so many things that are controversial. You know, you see uh, they're trying to pull down uh, monuments and things like that. And, uh, other different people, all, all kinds of different things they're trying to do. And, but we think about how tonight we need to have Christians, we as Christians, we need to have victory over the world. And certainly I talked about the flesh. <laughs> I put the flesh in there. I wasn't there, obviously. But we certainly want to have victory over the flesh, amen? That would be certainly part of it. Uh, but some are overly enamored with this world. And we're not careful we can be enamored with this world. Now, I do know that we can be enamored with the houses. Maybe you're around some houses that are pretty nice. I used to drive in some of these country clubs, and some of these country clubs have some pretty nice housing. I've been around some nice housing. I've, I've, I've seen some pretty nice stuff, and, and cars, too. I've, I was driving by this car, and it was a Corvette. I mean, at first, you don't. For me, I'm like, I didn't quite spot it. Maybe for some of you guys, but I drove by it, and it looks like a, a, a European sports car. But you look a, little, look a little closer, oh, it's just a Corvette, whatever. And... Uh, but there's all, you know, we see Lamborghinis, we see all kinds of fast cars, we see uh, Rolls Royces, all kinds of stuff down here. And, uh, it, it, but you get your eyes off the, uh, off the Lord Jesus Christ. It can get, you can be enamored with this world. You can be looking at it, and you can start looking at it and going, oh, well, how come, how come I can't have that? And this and that. Or that, I wonder what that must be like to drive. And, and, or I wonder how, what that must be like to live in. And so we can be enamored with this world. And, of course, the, if you watch enough TV, the, they like to swirl you around, the entertainment you know, they got entertainment tonight. They got this and that. And everybody, uh, they really want to, they got spotlight on all the flashy stuff. In this world, the devil's doing his best to try to get a hold of your attention. And by the way, he's trying to get a hold of your kids' attention. And uh, if you have teens and young people, boy, I'm telling you, they're trying to get their hold of their attention. And today we have, we live in a day where uh, your young people have iPhones. And uh, what's the other phone out there? Android, Android that's right. And some other phones that are out there. Yes, we have different phones that are out there. Um, and we have these phones, and they're high tech, and they have all these different apps in them. I mean, you need pages and pages and pages and pages and pages for your apps. And they figured it out how to get it all in there. And you can have all so much. It carries so much information in there and all that. And then, uh, of course, it's a lure. You know, people are, uh, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that. Uh, Young people, you go to certain places, and they're all on Amber. It's all around the phone. Have you noticed that? And when young people, we were at uh, Knott's Berry Farm, I think, Saturday. We were noticing some of the kids that were going through the lines. Of course, they were obnoxious. They, were, uh, they weren't very, you know, very good, I didn't think. But I'm sure their, their parents dropped them off, said, have a great time, whatever. See at 10. I think it was a babysitting place there, Knott's Berry Farm at certain times. But these guys are all going around, and they're all, they all got their phone. Everybody's got their phone. And everybody's doing stuff with their phone, playing games, doing different things on their phone all the time. All the time we spend on the phone. And it's amazing how this world has a lot of people um, right in the grips of their hand. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. If you want to turn there, first Timothy, or 2 Timothy 4, 10. It says in 11, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Grecians to our Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. In verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And so we think about how, uh, 
how sometimes people forsake the Lord for the world. They forsake the world. They forsake the, they want to even forsake the world, but they forsake the Lord Jesus Christ and they go back to the world. The world has always got a lure there. It's always trolling. It's always, a, it's always fishing, isn't it? It's always trolling along and trying to catch us and try to lure us. Have you ever noticed that uh, fishing boats, they have these lures they put on, and they put these fanciest lures on it, and they're made out of silverish, I mean, obvious chrome, and it, they put that in the water, and if enough light gets on that and reflects around it, it catches the eye of the fish, and the fish wants to see what, there must be something on the end of that line, and maybe there's some food. And, and, and so uh, they're trolling along, trying to get a hold of your kids' attention, and your attention sometimes. And so we need to be careful the world... Uh, does this the devil does this he tries he tries and he knows what's going to get a hold of our attention uh yet god we think about how uh, all these people they had forsaken this this one person had forsaken the lord a lord demons had and yet uh we think about how yet god desires that each of us overcome the world even though there's some people that forsake the lord he wants us to overcome the world overcome it's a daily thing we need to overcome it just because 20 years ago or 5 years ago or 10 years ago, I committed my life to the Lord. I only knew, need to do it one time. You need to do it all the time. Man, that's not something that we just, it just happens. John 16 verse 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16 33. Think about that, the peace. Have you ever noticed this? Oh, there's a lot of people around here that don't have a peace, do they? Oh, they're, they're on the freeways of L.A., and they want a piece of you, man. But they don't have peace, right? They don't have peace. And, it, you know, for us as Christians, we need to have peace. I think that's something we as Christians, we need to pray about. We need to pray in God. God, give me some peace in my life. I need some peace. We as Christians, we need to have some peace. And we say, well, look at all that's going around us. How can you have peace in this? And yet we know with the Lord, it's not about the storm. It's really about who's with you in the storm. If he's with you, he brings along the peace. Amen. And what does he say? He says, peace be still. And all of a sudden, everything stops. Everything stops according to his command. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we, if there's going to be uh, tribulation, so we don't want to be in the world. that We're going to have tribulation. Everything's going to go the wrong way. Uh, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we live our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he is the one that's overcome. It's not us, but we have the ability to overcome through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to li allow that to be uh, where we go. We need to live our lives. He needs to live our lives. He needs to live uh, our lives for us. He needs to just lead us and direct us and guide us. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. And that's not a Michael, uh, what's that guy is? Gotta have faith. Dum, 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 dum. Maybe you've heard that song, gotta have faith. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about here. We're faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith like faith uh, cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The faith that builds, the faith that gets you going in the right direction. We think about the devil, he wants to tear down. He wants to tear down your life. He wants to tear down your family. He wants to tear down this church. But so we can have the faith. We can have the, we can be overcomers. No, faith is the victory, amen? Love that song, faith is the victory. Faith in his purpose. We think about how faith in his purpose is according to his timetable. According to his timetable. Uh, you know, I think about the fact that everything happens according to 
to his timetable. And you know, it's amazing, even though we might think God's a little late. Hey, you're a little late, God. No, he's on time. Amen. Amen. We, Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10 through 12, Ephesians 1, 10 through 12 says, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one of the in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Verse 12, that he might, or that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. And so, as we see there, Ephesians 1, verse 10 through 12, that we see that uh, we're to be his praise of his glory. And he does everything within his own will. Isn't that amazing? His word. And he always does this. He always brings this about. There's a plan. You see everything going around. The devil thinks he's got a plan. Satan and, and, and all the people that run with Satan think they, get, they have a plan. But we see that uh, their, their plan is going to end in destruction. It's a, it's a sad thing. And everybody that runs with them. God has a special plan for the lives of his children. We think about uh, the timetable. Sometimes we need to be patient, don't we? Patient is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman, never in a man. Patience. We think about how sometimes we have to be patient. In, in In God's word, so often God's man had to what they call wait on God. They'd pray. They'd spend time in prayer. They'd spend time in his word. They'd spend time in prayer. And they'd beseech God. And what would they have to do? They'd have to wait. Kings that have followed the Lord have had to wait on the Lord. It wasn't going to be a quick thing. It's when God says it, that's what we're waiting for. And they had to wait. And we think about we're no different. We have to wait on the Lord and seek him. And uh, be patient. Patience not a ver- not something we always come easily, does it, sometimes? Especially today. We're going through the Starbucks line. Hey, I'm, I'm late for church, or I'm late for this, or I'm late for that. <laughs> I needed this yesterday. Is that my fault? You Something broke? This must be Nolan's store. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, it wouldn't be Nolan's store. But we see how we're so impatient. We got everything... Johnny, on the spot, man, we wanted this, you know, we're trying to do things faster and uh, not better, but faster. You know, we're doing everything so fast, everything so instant, instant potatoes, instant this and that, you know. We got the microwave. There was a time when people looked at the microwave like, I don't need that. What, what is this contraption? I think that somebody, now think about that. They probably thought that of the washing machine. They thought, what is this contraption? We don't need this. Now, isn't the washing machine a blessing? <laughs> or would you like to continue to beat your clothes on a rock? I know, I don't know. But you'd, <laughs> the washboard, there you go. Someone had it. The washboard, that's right. So, um, <laughs> okay, whose turn it is to do the, do the wash? <laughs> and so, uh, wow. But we think about how, uh, here, turn your Bibles to Habakkuk. Uh, two, I saw this last night in discipleship class. Habakkuk 2. And if I'm still saying it, I'm still turning. Bum, 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 
Habakkuk 2 in verse 1. So we saw this as the inspiration of God last night. We talked about the inspiration of God's word in Habakkuk 2 in verse 1. Uh, we actually went to verse 2, but we're going to read 1 through 4. And it says, I will stand upon the watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what we will say unto me or what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he or that he may run and that readeth it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will it will surely come it will not tarry behold his soul which uh behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him but the just shall live by faith we think about the word of god he waited for the word of god he was uh right there on the watchtower of course what he would we would receive uh would not be Think about Daniel, the same uh, thing. It would not be something for him to understand. It would be something that would be unlocked down the road. Wow. And so we see that. And by faith, and it had a time, and uh, we see how uh, it had to be ready for the person that would run. You know, people, we think about running today. We as Christians, we run the race, don't we? And let's just turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll turn there, please. Hebrews chapter 12. And um, we think about today, we're running a race. And uh, we as church, we have opportunity to run a race. And Paul ran, was, would talk about this race. And it's the Christian race. And uh, it's amazing what people do to prepare for races, the big races that happen. We, you might be able to, I've heard, I hear people, they run the Disney this race or they'll run this race or New York has its races all across the country they have different races uh, um, Forrest Gump he ran across the country a few times I don't know that <laughs> in a movie people are running everywhere uh, and, and people are running for office people's nose are running or no you know and, and their feet are smelling you know it's like I know pastor used to say stuff like that but but here we go uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is, that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, uh, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we see the importance of running the race. And uh, we have a great opportunity to run this race. And now if you watch people that run races, uh, they'll condition themselves. They'll be ready for races. Um, they'll do their best to run. Of course, they'll be running races, but uh, they'll condition themselves. They'll run smaller amounts of uh, uh, mileage, perhaps. And uh, they'll condition themselves. A lot of people, they'll, and a lot of people that do these things, they'll... Um, They'll do the stretches, you know, they'll do the leg stretches, that stretch. They don't want to have a muscle seize up on or whatever while they're running. They want to get everything stretched out. And they do all the things that they've been uh, instructed to do in order to have a successful race. And they're not going to just go all out. They get out there in that race and they're not going to just, oh man, I'm giving it my all. 
and 10, 10 seconds later going, oh man, I gave my all, you know, <laughs> and they didn't finish any race, but they, they pace themselves, right? They pace themselves. They're not spreading themselves out like they're, they know they have to condition themselves and they know that what they can handle and they're going to run at a certain speed and they're going to keep their eye on how well they're running and their motion and different things like that. I know in the Olympics, they're running a certain way. They've been trained uh, as they get up early in the morning, they go, to bed, uh, they go to bed early and they get up early and they train and they train and they train and they train different techniques they try. And so a lot of these people, they have the different techniques that work. In 1983, in uh, Sydney to Melbourne, there was a 544-mile mile race. A lot of the people that were coming to there had sponsors. They had Nike, Adidas, all kinds of different sponsors for these different runners. This is a higher level of runners that would be able to run 544 miles of this race. And so they would run this race, and they would, they would run for 18 hours, and then they would take six hours off and sleep. And they would get up and go again. It would be a multi-day race. It would take a long time. And so they were all getting together, and a lot of these people are like 30 years or below. And uh, a lot of these young people were very lean, very, I mean, they, you could see that they were meant business, and they had condition, they had trained, they'd been in other, other races, and they were uh, signing up. And, of course, the prize was $10,000. And all of a sudden, this uh, potato farmer came. His name was Cliff Young. I guess some people say he was kind of toothless. And he came along, and he was, uh, he says, I'd like to enter this race. Uh, What'd you come for? I'm, I've, I'm entering this race. This man was uh, 60 some years old, 61 years old, be, be exact at that time. 61 years old, potato farmer. He had uh, his family had 2,000 acres, and he had, he had chased 2,000 sheep all day long. He chased them all around the clock. He chased animal. You know, he'd be running here, running there, and so he entered the race. Nobody thought anything of it. You know, okay, you want to run? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, I wonder how long he's going to last. You know, but anyways, uh, this guy entered the race. And he got into that race, and he started running. And all of a sudden, he started running, he started running. And uh, all of a sudden, he started realizing this guy's ahead. This guy's, how could this guy be ahead? He wasn't really moving fast. He would just be, he, he'd just kind of move along. He, he'd have this, like, shuffle. They call it the, actually, they call it the, uh, the Cliff Young shuffle later on. They would call it that. They actually called it that. Because this guy, he would run, and uh, he was 61 years old, and he ran this race. But someone forgot to tell him that you go to, at, at your 18th hour, you, you go to bed because he kept on running. He ran, ran 24 hours a day, five days a week, this guy kept on running. And they, everybody couldn't believe it. He didn't, he didn't sleep for five days. He ran. He ran. And uh, he ran, and he wasn't necessarily the fastest. But, you know, he beat the record by a long shot. He beat, the, he beat it. He, he got there and he beat the record by almost two days. He beat the, uh, he got first place nine hours ahead of the previous person, of the next person that would come along. It was hours and hours ahead of everybody. And uh, people couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. How did you do this? This guy was 60, 61 years old, running all, and, and everybody was like, going, how could this be? You know, we have all these people that are conditioned to run this race. They have all the gear Here's this guy, potato farmer, comes along, from his, and, and he has poor family and everything, and he runs this race. I think God sometimes does some things like that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people started studying how he ran. And they'd call it the shuffle. It was the Cliff Young shuffle or whatever. You look it up. He's in there. And, 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 and in 1983, they started going, well, they, they started practicing his shuffle. 
like, let's get a hold of this. Maybe there's something to this, you know. And so they started, they started running like that. Crazy stuff. But when we run the race, think about it, running the race. You might think, well, I'm not going to do very well. But if the Lord's with us, you'll do just fine. Running the race that we have, uh, running the race with patience that is set before us, looking and knowing that there's people watching us. We think about how God is always trustworthy. He's always looking out for us as we race and as we're in this race. He has our best interests at, at heart. There was a young boy went to a local store with his mother. The shop owner, a kindly man, passed, uh, passed him a, jar, a large jar of suckers and invited him to uh, help himself to a handful. Uncharacteristically, the boy held back. So the shop owner pulled out a handful for him. When outside, the boy's mother asked why he had suddenly ha uh, been so shy it wouldn't take a handful of suckers when offered. The boy replied, because his hand is much bigger than mine. <laughs> we think about God. You know, his hand is much bigger too, isn't it? When we let God do some things in our lives. We think about how tonight we need to, we need to find our purpose, find God's purpose for our life. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of, of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we think about how the fact that God is in control and all things work together for good. We think about how, do you have an area in your life, uh, do you have an area in which you need to trust God, an area in your life? We think about the opposite of trust is fear. Yeah, people get to fearing pretty quick. We look around us today, it doesn't take long. You watch, you watch about five seconds of news and you're going, I'm fearing. What is that, the uh, killer, killer hornet, you know? And uh, <laughs> I think for a little bit they were talking about the killer hornet, and there were some people that were like, "Are you kidding me?" There's some people that were uh, that were experts on on insects and things like that, and they just couldn't believe that they were calling this on the news, "killer hornet," you know? And they're just rolling their eyes. But uh, we think about how uh, you can turn to fear pretty fast. Here's a quote. Fear is self-imposed prison that will keep you from becoming what God intends you for you to be. What God intends you to be. Fear will keep you from that. It will keep you in that prison. We think about the importance of uh, faith has a purpose. You know, we, our, our faith has a purpose. We need to know that our, the purpose we have in life and follow it. We think about faith in its precepts, faith in its precepts. Psalms 119, verse 15. Psalms 119, verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto all thy ways. We think about how we need to meditate on his, his word. We need to look at it. We need to chew it. We need to, it needs to be in front of us. We were reading a verse last night or some verses last night on Deuteronomy. How really the word of God, they instructed uh God's people to uh, have the word of God all over on the doorpost, on, on your front lids, all over the place, on your arm, and we're talking everywhere. So you would focus on the word of God, and it would, it would just saturate you. We think about it, it is said that when the famous missionary, David, Dr. David Livingston, started his trek across Africa, he had 73 books in a three-pack weighing 
180 pounds. After the party had gone 300 miles, Livingston was obliged to throw away some of the books because of the fatigue of those carrying his baggage. As he continued on his journey, uh, the, his library grew less and less until he had one book left. You guessed it, the Bible. <laughs> we think about all the important Bible, all the important book, books we might have. You better keep the Bible, amen? amen? Quote, it is impossible to righteously govern the world without God and the Bible. Washington, George Washington said that. Trusting his commandments proves our love for him. Trusting his commandments. There in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to turn back there because I was out, away from there right now. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God that we, uh, when we love God and keep his commandments. His word is his commandments. That's his word. And we have that opportunity to keep them. 1 John chapter 5 verse 2 through 3. By this we know that we, have, we, we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. In verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. They're really not grievous. And so we, we see the importance of that. Uh, and uh, we also see, note, not to the world primarily, but to our inner man, our spirit bears witness. We see the importance of our, our lives and how we, we need to follow him. And today we're so, mechanically, we're so mechanically attached to everything. We're mechanically attached to this and that. But spiritually we lack, don't we? Spiritually lack to see the things that God would have us to see. And we, our spiritual vision is impaired, let's say, today. We need to get the God, God's lenses on, right? God's word. God's lenses. Get them up there and get them on. And take a look at this world through the lens of God's word. Yeah. We think about the compassion we would have if we would do that. We think about here how important that is today. And uh, Psalms 119 verse 168. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. You know, all of our ways are before him. There's another verse that we were going over last night. This is our, how God tries the reins of our hearts. He goes around the world. He tries. He, he's trying. He's looking at people. He's trying their reins. He's seeing where your heart is. Imagine if God comes along and sees how you. How are you doing? When God comes along, God knows you. You know, if you're spending time with God, God knows you right now. How your heart is. And boy, we need to have a heart that's after God. First John four verse twenty says, "If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen?" In verse twenty one it says, "In this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also." Amen. So, maybe there's some areas we need to work on if we don't love our brother. We think about how trusting his commandments provides strength, strength for us. In verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that he, we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And we understand that uh, we need to have, we need to understand he, strength, he strengthens us through his word. In verse 5, it talks about how we, we overcome the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. It's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That overcomes the world. And we have a great opportunity to follow the Lord and uh, be encouraged for what the Lord's going to do. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Thy words were found on Adedithim, 
and thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Aren't those sweet words? Jeremiah said, Jeremiah, he, he was thinking on the, on, the, on the tone, the fact that uh, those are sweet words, the fact that he is called by God's name. You know, we're all called to do something, amen? And if we follow that, it ought to be a sweet thing. It ought to be a sweet thing. That words were found. They're special. They should be special in our, in, our, in our eyes. We think about how his faith in his purpose, faith in his precepts, that is word, faith in his person. And so we see verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the, is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him and begetteth, begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And so we understand that uh, we understand that we need to have a faith in the person of Jesus Christ every day. We need to have that faith. Initially, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, for, and we trust him for salvation. But it doesn't stop there. The relationship continues on. Jesus is the anointed one. No, Christ uh, means the anointed one uh, or the Messiah. He is our Messiah. He is the anointed one. John 4, 25 through 26 says, John 4, 25 says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. In verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, under her, I that speak unto thee am he. No need to look for any, any further, amen? Here I am. The Lord Jesus Christ is right before us. He loves us. He wants, us. He wants our best for uh, his glory if we would just follow him. And so Jesus is the appointed one. 1 John 5, 1. 1 John 5, 1. He that believeth that Jesus is the Messiah and confides in him for the remission of sins is begotten of God. And they who are pardoned and begotten of God love him in return for his love and, lo and love all those who are his children. We think about those that will not only love the Lord Jesus Christ, but they'll love his fam the church family, amen? Those fellow Christians they'll love. Acts 4.12, he is the appointed one. Once again, we talk about here, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. We got a message for the lost world out there. He is the appointed one. He's the one you should be looking to, be looking for. Jesus is all-powerful one. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. We as Christians, we as a church, we have a mandate. We have an opportunity to fulfill his mandate. And here we see that his power is there. He is all powerful. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And you know, it's a great thing because we follow through and we see how God works. There's nothing like seeing someone get saved, is there? We see someone receiving Christ as their Savior. That's a powerful moment. When someone realizes they've gotten something that, uh, that they didn't know they were searching for, but God was searching for them. And he uses us as instruments in order to just give them the gospel. It is what one, one person said. He says it's really nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where he got the bread. Amen. And that bread is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. Uh, 1 John 4.4, 4, as we conclude here, ye are of God little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we need to really remember that right there. We need to remember that he is greater. No matter what you face, God is greater. No matter what we will face in life, 
No matter what we face down the road, Jesus is greater. We think about in conclusions, are you an overcomer, victory over the world? Faith is the victory now and for all eternity. Are you an overcomer? Are you allowing God to have his perfect will in your, in your life? If not, make it. Don't allow fear to push faith out of the way. Allow faith to be the center of your life. The Lord Jesus Christ, if you have Jesus Christ in the center of your life, your faith is going to be just fine. All right? So let's live for him. Let's allow him to have his perfect will. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, for your precious word. And God, we thank you, God, for that race that we're running. I pray that we would run it the way you'd have us to run it. God, that we'd bring honor and glory to you. And maybe we were not the fastest runners. doesn't matter. Lord, I just pray that you would just give us the strength and the grace and the ability to uh, not have that fear but have faith and, and just keep, keep, keep on keeping on. I thank you, God, for uh, faithful Christians down through the time that have kept, on, kept being faithful, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us together. Help us as we go our ways and uh, bless our, our church, we pray. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.